We're Kyler and Cody McCormick, two brothers on a journey to pave our own path while chasing our passion. While building our adventure filmmaking brand, The Outbound Life, we've become sponsored by some of the top brands in the film and travel industries, acquired Fortune 500 clients, and have spoken on stages all across the country sharing our story. We now invite you along on our journey as we sit down with inspiring entrepreneurs, creators, and diverse thought leaders to discuss how to live a life we consider outbound, a life where you believe your story matters and live beyond your limits. Come along and live the outbound life. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, today we're, we have a real treat here. Uh, a friend of ours that we've gotten to know over the last few years and has been, wow, just what an inspiration in our life and to the lives of so many people around us. I'll, I'll start by just kind of sharing a bit of a bio of our friend, Justin. So Justin Forsett is a man of many accolades former Baltimore Ravens Pro Bowl running back turned motivational speaker, entrepreneur, and businessman. Justin has this really one-of-a-kind underdog story turning trials into triumph, showing that perseverance can take you to unimaginable heights while lifting up everyone around you. Justin was recently seen on Shark Tank with his company Shower Pill and Hustle Clean. When Justin isn't busy keynoting at conferences, training, or running his startup, he can be found raising his four kids, jamming to Kirk Franklin or watching home improvement shows. Justin, thanks for being here, man. I appreciate it. That's an awesome introduction. I appreciate it, Kyler. <laughs> Dude, we're so stoked to have you. Kyler and I were kind of reminiscing on the last time we saw you in person, which was literally a year ago, one day off back uh, 2019 of May, we came out to do a fun little project with you in Texas. That was for Adobe, but that, that was a fun little project. But that was one of those times that you kind of brought us into your world. And we got to see that firsthand of seeing some of uh, your training routine and just, you know, hanging with the fam a little bit and just kind of seeing what your world is these days. And um, hearing, you know, learning more about even the entrepreneurial things that you've been really focusing on these last handful of years as you've been out of the NFL. And I'm, I'm curious since, you know, literally these last few months, the world I think has taken a 180. <laughs> We're all under different kinds of lockdowns and government protocols with COVID going on. What, like, what's life looking like for you right now? Or how has it changed in these past two months? Yeah. I mean, I, for being an entrepreneur now and startup, I travel a lot. Like last year, I did over 70 flights. Um, so I was constantly on the road. Uh, not unlike you guys uh, out there, uh, whether it's meeting with uh, investors or partners, uh, really trying to grow the business and share the vision. So that part is now confined to the home and Zoom uh, calls wow. and uh, doing a lot more around the house now, To you know, because normally we have help. We have a nanny to really uh, carry some of the load for us, yeah. especially when I'm not here, but you know, now I'm washing my, I'm washing more dishes, uh, <laughs> doing more chores around the house, uh, to make sure I can take some of that load off my wife. So, uh, it's really and, been, it's really been good. Yeah. That's awesome. And you're a family of six now, right? The last time we saw you, Angela was pregnant with your fourth truth who was born in October, right? What was that like? You, you literally have, uh, have a pretty full household on your hands. Yeah, we definitely got a full house. Uh, so you have a baby. Uh, he's seven months now. So, uh, so yeah, having him and, you know, toddlers and one still in diapers. So two still in diapers and two very active, uh, you know, a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. Um, it keeps us busy. That's wild. And I mean, so life is kind of happening online right now. Do you feel like, I feel like for us that 
in-person connection is so important. Like, you know, if I could fly out and have a business meeting, you know, in person, shake someone's hand, like, I don't know, I, I've always been someone that loves to, you know, shake someone's hand, look them in the eye, and now kind of having everything online is so different. Do you find that you're adapting pretty well to that? Or is that kind of sucky and on your side as well? No, I think I'm adapting pretty well uh, to it because when I'm around my family more, so I get more family time in. And then two, a lot of these meetings that I went, uh, I would go on or go or go on, um, they probably could be just emails. Right. And yeah. I'm, I, you know, I'm wasting, you know, money flying to be people that we could do yeah. Zoom calls or, or emails. And so that way I'm, I'm now I'm saving money, uh, saving yeah. costs uh, right now and, and being more efficient with the funds. And uh, so that's been like the silver lining of it. And I'm, I've, I've been adjusting well. I do miss, you know, interacting one on one, but. Um, I think we're all finding ways to be uh, more efficient and more scrappy. That's big. And like Cody and I have been feeling that big time too. It's interesting because yeah, I think when your world turns upside down and everything's, you know, the regular life, uh, oh, these meetings and in-person things, everything's taken away. You realize how, how much less you could get by with. Like, did we need these meetings? Like you send a fast email and you got something done or a 20 minute Zoom as opposed to an hour long in-person meeting. Like, I don't know, people are getting more efficient. It's really interesting. It's true. It's streamlining. Yeah. It's streamlining things, yeah. which I think is cool on my side of just watching like the innovation that continues to happen. Because I think this time period, at least from the tech side, it's like forcing everyone to adapt into this kind of like modern age. When I think for the longest time, we've been seeing this probably coming more on, you know, how business is going to be able to be run mostly online. You know, um, retailers have slowly over the past 10 years been closing, you know, and going more towards the e-tailer side. And literally everything's getting forced right now. Even people that, you know, I think I I hear those stories when people um, feel like, they're like, Hey, my life's so busy. I want to take this break or I want to spend more time with the family, but I'm just so busy and they never get around to it. Like, okay, all right, let's, you know, world's forcing you to do it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's something cool. And I think, uh, gosh, I I feel like there's a million things that we could, we could ask you about this right now. It's fun because there's so many different hats that you wear and you've worn. And right now we're talking to the entrepreneur that is Justin Forsett. But what I want to do is I want to rewind a little bit and let's, let's go back to that NFL uh, running back uh, athlete. And that's a big thing. So I want to start at like the very beginning, right? So like, where did this dream to play in the NFL come from? Like, do you remember, say, a distinct moment in your childhood where there are ongoing influences? Where did that come from? Well, uh, you know, my dream to be a football player, one, became, it came out of, uh, out of a need to make it out of my, current, my situation that I was in. Uh, it was a vehicle for me to make it out of, you know, poverty, you know, um, just unfortunate circumstances that I, I went through as a kid hmm. and then it came from lack and hmm. I wanted a way to make it out and football was going to be my way. I saw a guy named Barry Sanders <laughs> running the football on, on Sundays and it was like, man, uh, I want to do that. And that's how I'm going to be able to, you know, take care of my family. So that was kind of the passion. Uh, I started playing football when I was seven years old. And uh, just kind of put in the work and time to, to get better and hone my skills and my craft. So that's amazing. It, it came from like that drive was you, you were looking for a way out. You're like this. I, I'll do whatever it takes to get out of this 
one of the things at the Outbound Life, because, you know, like we're, we're filmmakers, but we really have a philosophy behind what we're doing and, and try to live each day in this way. Uh, one of the things that's really important to us is this idea that you need to believe that your story matters, right? You need to believe that you matter. Um, and I know that, you know, just kind of getting to know you over the years and hearing some, some of the pieces of your story, like you were told when you, when you were on this, uh, path to, uh, growing as an athlete, you were told you were too short, you're too slow, not big enough, like NFL, you know, people would laugh at that. And like how, like, I feel like for most people, the, those critics and, and those judgments, are, it's going to stop most people. But where did that like real sort of like self belief come from? Cause it didn't stop. Yeah, no, uh, that's a good question. Uh, yeah, I heard all the reasons why I wouldn't make it. And I remember sitting in my seventh grade class and someone coming in, giving us stats about how many athletes actually make it out in a night. Most of us mm -hmm. won't make it to accomplish the dream of being, a, uh, you know, an athlete because everybody want to be athletes and entertainers. And, and I was just like, man, no, I, I'm going to, I'm going to be a professional athlete. I'm going to be an NFL player. And it came one, uh, one of my faith was a big part of that. I just believed that anything yeah. was possible um, because I, I believe that God could open up doors. Yeah. Um, and then two, uh, I knew I put in the time, I put in the work and I was going to put in the work that it would require for me to make it. Like no one was as hungry or willing to do uh, some of the things I was willing to do in order to, to be great and make it to that level. So it was, uh, it was a combination of those things. As far as like the balance, like you talk about being a young kid listening to kind of authoritative figures at the time, kind of say it in a real way to to all the kids. I'm like, guys, the reality is probably none of you are going to take athletics to any any kind of place in life past maybe college. From your perspective, obviously, you broke through that. You're the exception to the rule of that group of people, probably. Where would you say people that, I guess, authoritative figures, how should they balance being real and having that perspective and yet leaning more to the optimistic side of like, hey, if you got it in you, you can do it. Like you can actually do it, even if the odds are stacked against you, basically in your case. Like, how do you balance that? Yeah, I think you have to be real. You have to be able to share the facts the way they are. Like less than 1% will will make it to the NFL. And I think it's good to have those those, you know, those facts out there and share those with the with the youth. And uh but I do think it's equally important to encourage and to continue to stoke those fires that the kids have. Like if they're passionate about something, let them know it is possible if you're willing to put in the time and work. Like nothing is going to be given to you. Like, give me the stat that less than 1% is going is not going to make it, but tell me what the 1% looks like. Tell me what that less than 1%, what do they actually, yeah, right. what do they actually look like? What are those routines and rituals look like in order to make it there? And then leave it up to me. Leave, me, leave it up to me to be that guy and beat the odds. Has there been any specific routine or ritual that you hung on to from an early age that you've just never let go? <laughs> yeah, prayer. Uh, prayer for sure. Uh, I stayed on my knees uh, praying and uh, just believing that this thing is possible because I don't believe that. I believe that for one, you, in order to, to see it, you got to believe it first. You got to be able to visualize kind of yeah. your success. And I was, I, I think I, did, I was able to do a good job of that early on. Just kind of think about what, what it would take for me to get to where I wanted to, for me to get to where I wanted to go as an, uh, as a professional athlete. So uh, I, I think that, that, that number is that's number one but then just the work like 
me being uh, a constant learner and a student um, mm. of the game, so to speak, like I was, I never felt like I had arrived at any level, mm. whether it was you know, high school, college, NFL, like I always felt like I could get better. And mm. with that mindset, it allowed me to grow and actually get better. So I think a lot of people, uh, they get complacent and they get distracted and they feel like they arrived at some point and they get cocky. And for me, it was just all about remaining humble and hungry. And uh, uh, that allowed me to to have success. That's cool. I, I think, um, and one of the things that's so cool about you is like you, uh, you, you've gone in so many different directions, like with having incredible success, but now that story is being used to really impact so many people. And you're using that gift of even communication you have of like your keynote speaking all the time and, and speaking to people's lives. And Justin, one of the quotes you've really become known for is, uh, something you say, which is greatness grows best in the shadows, right? Like literally in your story, like you talk about like (laughs) being, feeling stuck and feeling behind and, but, but for 15 years you kept going until you finally got that shot that you, you felt like was in you. When you talk about greatness growing best in the shadows, can you give me one story of a time that you just, man, this time of all times you felt stuck in the shadows, things were not looking good. And what was that like? Because I think that's where, I think that's where a lot of people might find themselves right now. Like they feel like, oh man, I feel like I'm <laughs> I'm in the shadows. Yeah, yeah. I think the world is in the shadows right now uh, <laughs> as we're dealing with this COVID nineteen. Um, but but yeah, uh, for me, there was one instance I could share. Uh, it was around 20, 2011, 2012. I had just finished up my four year contract with the Seattle Seahawks, and I did well. And uh, I was going into free agency, expecting a big contract, and no one's calling. And free agency opens up, opens up. No one's giving me a call, offering any contract. And my phone is silent. I go back to Cal, my school, and I'm working out as much as I can, staying out of the La Quinta Hotel, and not knowing what the future is going to hold for me and you know my future, my future wife at the time. She's my fiance at that time, and uh, our wife at the time, and then. Uh, I remember working out in that in that hotel room, working out at the stadium, and then going back to that hotel room by myself. And uh, because my wife was playing overseas and playing volleyball at the time, mm-hmm. and I remember just being in there crying my eyes out because it was months and months of me not having um, having any type of leads for a team, and I felt like I did everything I could do. I put in the work, I put in the time, no one's calling, no one's interested in my services. And I remember it was that late night in that La Quinta hotel. And it was, it was not, it was in Berkeley, California. So it wasn't like the best hotel uh, that you could be in. And I was just got on my knees crying and praying. It's like, man, I need a breakthrough. God, I need something. Um, and I remember dusting myself off and and, and thinking to myself that, okay, um, I I know there's a lot out of my control. I don't know what the future holds for me, but I'm just going to trust and believe uh, that God is going to make a, a way, way for me. And I was going to continue to work uh, and prepare as if I, you know, uh, for whenever my opportunity came and excelled at what I could control. And uh, mm-hmm. that moment, just I went back to work. I continued to train like I was on a team, like I was a Pro Bowl running back. Wow. And, and wow. then... Um, I ended up a couple of months down the road. I got signed by the Houston, Texas, where I had to actually do a tryout. Mm. I had to, I went in with a bunch of other guys. I did almost a, the combine 
type drills, 40s, bench press, all that stuff over again, which I hadn't did in, you know, four years at that point when I was a veteran and I uh, got signed there, uh, ended up playing a lot that year, then signing a big contract that next year with uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Wow. I think what's interesting, and most people probably have a hard time grasping this, like I can speak for myself in that, is you look at people that seem to have hit a pinnacle of of some area of life, right? You, like you made it to the NFL. How amazing is that? And yet still through these different stages, there's still so much out of your control. And I like how you talk about you taking control of what you can control, which is in reality a small chunk of life. But I mean, that's the thing is like, there is still so much out of your control. And you had, at that point, you put in all the work, you had more odds in your favor, I guess. And yet it's still a struggle. So it's like, I think for me, it's hard for me to even understand you being in peak physical fitness, you've put in the years, all that kind of stuff. And yet you still have unknown and uncertainty in your future. And I think as we've learned more about your story, you continue to feel that when other people on the outside might look at, oh, Justin, like he's probably got life all together. And yet there's still so much out of your control. You talk about like your faith and more of your value coming from that side, like everything can fall apart when there's so much out of your control. So I think that's that's really interesting to note on. But even past that, so I mean, you journeyed through the NFL, had some some amazing years, and now you're pushing into entrepreneurship. You've been doing some pretty cool things through that. You, you went on Shark Tank. That obviously in itself is a pretty cool experience that for me as a as a young business owner, I've watched Shark Tank for years. It's, you know, it's like, it's that show that I've caught, like I've stayed up to date on. And I really enjoy seeing the ins and out of how different people run their businesses. And you pushed through that. Can you bring us back to that day that you were on Shark Tank? What was that experience like? Was it everything you expected or was it different? But first, a word about our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by Rode Microphones, the Australian pro audio powerhouse making incredible gear for podcasters, vloggers, filmmakers, musicians, and audio engineers. Yeah, no, uh, it was different. Uh, definitely, uh, it was, it's not. It's unlike anything I've ever put, been through in my whole life. Um, I've been in front of the camera most of my life, and uh, but never in like reality TV setting. So, I remember going out there, with my partners going uh, to the show, staying in a hotel, and being bussed out to uh, to the to our actual pitch, our presentation in front of the sharks, and getting ready behind the scenes. Uh, preparing, getting ready to go on, like, because we were the first ones to go on that. It was a 9 a.m. call, and uh, we were the first, uh, we was the first company uh, to present uh, to the Sharks that day. So we went out there. I remember the, the opening up the big door and the cameraman following us in. Uh, and I, I, can hear the, I can hear the music in the background while you're yeah. walking down the hall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, going out there and just basically pouring my, pouring, pouring my heart out and us pouring our heart out. And uh, I remember the rejection. I remember mm. the pit in my stomach that I was like, man, we just fumbled on national TV, like a moment that we shouldn't have. And that moment that after getting, getting you know, say, the judges saying no, the Sharks saying no, and I remember uh, leaving that place 
And we had to go to North Hollywood, I believe, mm-hmm. to return our props. We had to get all of our props for the show hmm. and return our props. And I was sitting at U-Haul with my partners. And I had a feeling of disappointment like I haven't experienced in, I don't know, if ever in my life. Wow. And, hmm. and uh, I was just trying to sleep it off and uh, just praying to myself and this not knowing what we were going to do, but knowing that that was not going to be the last that people saw of me. And that will be not be the last rep, uh, representation that they would see of me as an entrepreneur. And, uh, you know, from that day forward, just pressing through to make sure that um, people were, people will see not only the, the downside of a, a point where uh, I had some obstacles, but now seeing my rise uh, to success. Totally. What a roller coaster. Like you prepare for that, you quote unquote, put in the training, you know, as you would, and you walk away with, with your head down on that. And, and that's, I think like what you're kind of pointing at is even through these mountaintop experiences, like it's never guaranteed you do all the right things and it still doesn't work out the way you want. It's out of your control. Did you ever think if you just maybe, I don't know, bench a little more in the morning, maybe it would have gone better or <laughs> some more curls or I think about it all the time. There's not a, there's not a day that goes by. That's what I was I thinking. About. That's what I was thinking. Cause <laughs> I, I think you were looking a little small that day, to be honest. That's what it was. They were looking for a more chiseled entrepreneur. I'm just kidding. But even on that note, like I'm even curious, your physical fitness, clearly you keep up with that. And when we were out with you in Dallas, just kind of seeing the the training routine that you still keep yourself in, how do you even keep that motivation going? Like, what's the point of, you know, continuing still such a peak physical fitness after being out of the, out of the pros? Is it something you just like love in life or like what, what's fitness mean to you? Yeah. Uh, so my wife um, is the motivation there because She's uh, she would be judging me uh, if I'm not working out and uh, making sure that I'm not taking health and wellness. You got to keep up with her pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't want any judgment from her. So I, I make sure I'm motivated, but I want to feel good. I, you know, I don't want to be one of those guys that, you know, kind of fall off the wagon, so to speak, um, after retirement, because I know health is important. And a lot of us struggle uh, after playing, you know, years of football. It takes a toll on the body. So I want to make sure that. Yeah. Uh, I'm being uh, preventative. Do you find that a lot of ex-teammates fall off that train pretty fast? Like kind of what's the ratio these days, uh, I guess, in your friend group? For sure. There's a lot of guys, I mean, you know, uh, that are suffering from injuries from NFL that they're, that will have forever in life that they're battling through. And they just don't have the passion or the energy to go out and work out as, as, as they would, as they would like. And then mm-hmm. there's some just like, man, I've been working all my life and now it's time to relax. And then they, yeah. that relax, relaxation turns into other health problems. You get high blood pressure, you know, uh, diabetes, things like that, that you're just stacking on, on, on top of the things that you've, uh, you know, accumulated over your NFL career. What fitness routines have you kind of kept up with? Like what, what do you enjoy doing or what does that, um, kind of regiment look like these days? Is it every day, every other day? What's it looking like for you? I value my time and I'm trying to get up and, you know, I'm not spending two hours in the weight room anymore. So it's like high intensity interval training yeah, and workouts where I'm getting in 30, 40 minutes, high, high intensity and getting after it. So a lot of CrossFit um, where I can do modified, uh, where I don't have to do a ton of like, you know, 
heavy because there's no there's no need for me to still do Olympic lifting. So uh, if I modify it, you know, I'm doing medicine balls, I do some body weight, and every once in a while I'll put, pick up a bar. Uh, but but that's kind of what I what I do. Yeah, I'm probably just chasing the kids around is is a whole new. <laughs> Right. You know, uh, Justin, one thing I want to circle back on, I think, and first off, thank, thank you. Like something I really appreciate about you with us and with everybody is your really vulnerability in, in sharing some of these difficult times of your life. And I think that makes you more relatable and it makes people, uh, uh, trust you. It, it builds trust with people, quite frankly. And, uh, it's kind of that, uh, especially coming out of shark tank and that being like, kind of like a soul crushing experience, like really, really tough. And yet you continue to courageously kind of like lead while you bleed, if you will, you didn't hide that. You didn't edit that. Um, vulnerability is really scary. All of us, I think, want to put out this kind of highlight reel of our life. And we would, we would probably prefer not to talk about those parts, but I'm curious your willingness to lean into that. It's inspiring so many people. So uh, what's something that you think we can all do to kind of cultivate that in our own lives, that vulnerability? Yeah, man, I think there's no growth without vulnerability. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Being open, being transparent, being real and doing what we would call a self-scouting report uh, in the NFL, where we would go in on our week off and do a scouting report on our strengths and our weaknesses and try to get better. Uh, I think we need that in our day-to-day lives, like where we can be vulnerable, where we can be open and have people around us hold us accountable and really help challenge us in areas that need to be challenged. And uh, when when you have that, you'll get a better, you'll get a better product. You'll get a better person. You'll get a better teammate, get a better entrepreneur. Um, When you're vulnerable, um, when you're isolated and you're working in silos, that's when you're um, leading and when you're really walking a path of destruction and, you know, it can be very detrimental to you because no one can talk to you. No one can really share, be honest with you. Yeah. Um, you're not receiving any positive critique. Um, and, you know, that's not good for you as a person that's trying to grow and be better and, and chase greatness. So uh, I, I would say one, uh, you know, tangible step would be to make sure that you're finding a circle of people that you trust mm. to do life with and mm. be open where you feel comfortable to be vulnerable. How can someone do that? Like, I think the idea of having, you know, a group of people, a friend, two, three, that holds you accountable in life, whether it's on your goals, aspirations, or other, you know, areas of life, what's like a practical way to actually get a group like that together? Yeah, man, uh, people that you, uh, people that inspire you, people that are doing things that you want to do, um, you know, if I was a, a filmmaker, uh, you know, I would be looking towards the you guys and outbound life. I would be trying to network with you guys and connect and get better. Um, and you need people that bring value in your circle, because if you're the only person in your circle that brings value, then it's not a circle. It's a prison. And you need to find new people in your circle um, because those people will be leeches. And I think uh, we're in a place where. Uh, a lot of us have bad circles and we have, you know, we're, we trapped in these prisons where um, no one's growing, um, no one's being yeah. vulnerable, no one's being transparent and uh, you know, people are staying the same and we need to grow. We need people that are going to inspire us to grow and uh, just finding people like, you know, if you don't have a brother, you're just finding people that are in your industry, reach out to them. And uh, right now we're in an age of separatism 
Uh, but being separate doesn't mean isolated. You can still right. do life with people, whether it's, you know, on Zoom, uh, with your immediate family, picking up the phone call, picking up your phone and calling people that you trust and start uh, building those relationships up. That's really cool. Cause I think Kyler and I, you know, that's something we've been really passionate about from day one of running our business specifically for us, growing out a support structure of people, one that are at almost a similar level in life of us, or that are kind of in that fight with us. And we, that's kind of like our peer group. So we actually, we have a weekly think tank where we have a small group of guys that are all kind of doing their own entrepreneurial thing. Every week is a little bit different. Sometimes we'll go over some like curriculum that we've been learning that week and we'll teach it and we'll talk about it. And then it just opens up kind of the conversation for feedback. So that peer group's so important. But beyond that, it's so important to have mentors and mentees. So it's people that are 10x in front of you. And then it's people that are, you know, similar 10x behind you, basically, where you're pouring into people. Because my belief is that whoever you are, even if you don't feel like you are the top of line expert at what you're doing right now, you have value and you're already steps ahead of somebody. So it's so important to find people that you can pour into because that even grows a muscle in yourself. But then having mentors that are 10x beyond you that they can pour into you. And I think the key really is like asking for feedback because I know I've definitely gotten in circles of maybe a peer group in life that they just give the feedback that I want to hear. It's like, hey, is this a good idea? Yeah, yeah, dude, that sounds great. Like push forward. Hey, I think I'm going to change and pivot the business or come up with this idea. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great idea. I, right. It's like we've all kind of heard that. And it's not until you've got, I don't know, for us, it's been like a mentor that's like, guys, does that make sense? Like, what are you doing? And we're like, well, come on. I put two years into this. <laughs> right. So I don't know. Like to you, like what is what is uh, can you think of a time in life where you've had like a an awakening with feedback? Like someone was like, Justin, you're doing this wrong. Yeah. Um, a number of coaches. Um, that were pouring to me and tell me, hey, hey, man, this is what you need to do. If you want to uh, get more playing time, if you want to uh, accomplish the goals that you set before the season, like this is what you need to do. You got to stop. Uh, I can remember my my coach in college, just like, man, you got to eat right, man. You're not eating right. You're eating mm -hmm. junk. You're putting bad food in your body. Like, you know, you got to treat your body better. This is the this is how you eat. This is how you provide for your family. And it, you know, I did a 180 and changed, hmm. uh, you know, with that feedback, you know, it's not something I want to hear as a college kid, because you're just trying to eat whatever you can eat at the time, right, you right, know, yeah. you have a budget, but making that sacrifice even now, even at that point, it's like, okay, that will make a difference in the pay dividends in the long run. It's something I didn't want to necessarily hear at the time because I had a, a I feel like a good excuse, but, uh, but if you want to great, you we want to be great. You got to, make some sacrifices and, you know, got to listen to some criticism that you may not want to hear. Yeah. Something, something I want to talk about with you is this idea of, you know, of course we're talking about how important it is in each of our lives to never stop striving for that greatness, you know, but I, I feel like one of the challenges, if, if there's not a, any disclaimers around that is you're going to keep climbing a ladder and you get to the top of this and then, Oh, let's go to the top of that ladder and keep going. But it's not necessarily, it's kind of like the idea of like, you know what, I'm going to live my entire life so I can retire on this beach. Then when I get to that beach, I'll be happy. But you never learned how to actually enjoy the stuff right in front of you, even if you had all of it. So like, how do you balance that uh, self-improvement with self-compassion in that weird ratio? What does that look like? Man, 
That is a great question. Um, I don't know if I have it all figured out uh, right now. I'm sure I don't. Um, but like, I'm very goal oriented, and I love to chase after, you know, things that seem to be out of my reach. Yeah. But I do think it's important to live in the moment because tomorrow is not even promised. So, yeah. I mean, you could be fighting for something that you never even see. Um, so I think it's like while you're going after something, like go hard at it. Like if you want to, you know, one day win an Emmy or Oscar, do that. Go when at those times throughout the day when you're focused on your work, go all in. But when it's time to put the put the laptop down, put the camera down, mm-hmm. put the mic down, relax, enjoy your life, enjoy your family. Uh, be present um, because at the end of the day, uh, those things uh, hold the most weight and the most significance. Mm-hmm. And, um, and those things, I believe, uh, especially when you talk about family um, and friends and community, uh, those things will, uh, you'll be more proud of at the end of the day. Um, than accomplishments of, you know, awards. And, and when we think about, especially as a company, when we talk about like, we want to be great, we want to chase greatness. Yeah. How we see greatness and how it's portrayed, um, it has nothing to do with power. It has nothing to do with accolades. But what we've seen modeled in greatness is service and humility. Hmm. So finding ways to make people better around you. Um, finding ways to humble yourself and lead uh, in service. Um, and to make a bigger impact that maybe not even has anything to do with you. Uh, you know, because at the end of the day, we believe that those things, ma- those things matter the most. Like, of course, I would love to be this company that, you know, we're valued at, you know, billion dollars and, mm-hmm. you know, getting an exit and we're winning awards for, you know, uh, you know, best content and all this stuff, best products. All those things are great. But if someone can say, man, uh, this company uh, was able to, you know, serve communities that lack access to clean water and actually change the life, like where somebody could live longer, somebody could have the confidence to go out and, uh, and chase after their dreams. Like that stuff, that holds more weight uh, to me than actually some of those other uh, things that I mentioned before that were materialistic. Have you been able to do any of those kind of like fun projects with your shower pill team? How have you guys engaged in that or more of like that community service? Yeah, that's a big part of who we are. We like to say that we're not a company with a mission, but we're a mission that just so happens to be a company. Mm-hmm. We, we're we here for impact and service. Um, that That's our mission. And we focus on delighting our customers. Um, like anything, any goal that we have, uh, we will accomplish it uh, because we're, we're focused, hyper-focused on the needs of the people that support us the most. And uh, community services is uh, utmost importance, whether it's our Shower to the People campaign or our free play movement to sponsor kids uh, that uh, lack the resources to play youth sports or the communities that lack access to, access to clean water. We provide our products. Those initiatives are important to us, and we will continue to do them because uh, that's what we're passionate about at the end of the day. There's a verse that you regularly reference in Galatians that that you like to talk about, which kind of talks about not giving up in that in that strive. Uh, can you share that verse with us and what that means to you? Yes, yes, it's a great verse in Galatians six. Uh, do not grow weary in doing good works, for in due season you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. And I think it's just important 
um, to remember if anybody is trying to chase after a dream or a goal uh, to know that in a certain sense in the football term, uh, that in certain seasons in life, uh, the best players don't play. Hmm. And don't get focused on those things that are outside of your control. Don't get focused on somebody else's race. Like, just keep working. Just keep doing the things that uh, have allowed you to have the success that you're having right now. Do not grow weary in doing the good. Hmm. Like, if you just keep going after it and don't give up, you will reap a harvest. So I think a lot of us give up and we get disappointed and we get frustrated and we get distracted because we're looking at other people's races and we grow weary in the good works that we're doing. Like we don't, mm. we don't, we don't see that, man, man, I may not be, uh, you know, a, a, an entrepreneur that's, you know, sold a business and been acquired by this big, uh, company. Uh, but man, I'm still here. I'm still breathing. Like yeah. I've, you know, I, I'm in retail. Like I, I have a physical product that's changing lives. That's helping people. Like, don't grow weary in doing those things. Those other things will 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 come down the road. But uh, I, I love to encourage people, especially when they're in this mode, mode, when they're in the shadows and they're waiting on their breakthrough. Um, like, just to keep keep at it, man. The worst thing that you could do is give up. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess Cody and I agree well, on that. Same <laughs> no, and I think just kind of leaving, you know, we can wrap this up, but on that note of not giving up, how powerful that is, you know, learning from someone who truly has made it to some different pinnacles in life. And I, you know, I'm grateful to you for sharing your experience with us and our listeners. Um, that's something just that inside perspective is so important because I think it's so easy to probably idolize what um, NFL players have or what they've gotten to. And I think I love how you really ground your journey. You point the uh, the credit to where the credit's due. And I have one last question on that topic. So playing in the NFL, stepping onto a field, the lights are are glaring down, the crowd's roaring in front of 80,000 people. What What is that like? <laughs> <laughs> man um it's really hard to explain um especially when it's something that you visualize since you were a seven-year-old kid and you you walk out and run out into a stadium and people are cheering and screaming your name and you think about it it just uh gives you goosebumps hmm. uh but it's really surreal it's a real surreal moment uh to walk out there and people are excited and cheering for you or booing for you for that matter, but you're drawing emotion out of people yeah, in a real way, authentic way. And that's, that's pretty cool. Amazing. Amazing. Well, Justin, thank you so much for all this. I know every time we talk to you, we walk away with all sorts of new uh, keys and, and forms of inspiration. I know people are going to be taking a lot away from this. Uh, before we wrap this up uh, for everybody listening at home, where can they follow along with your journey? And also something that I want, want to make sure you can touch on a little bit. I'd love for you to share a bit about, uh, you know, shower pill and hustle clean and some of these awesome products that man, it seems like you're innovating all the time. Where, where can people find that? Yeah. Yeah. So you can follow me at J Forset on all of my channels. Uh, shower pill is, uh, has been our product for a number of years now. We're growing and expanding our product offering, being able to do some more, uh, uh, traditional products within the personal care sector. So uh, you'll see us transition into Hustle Clean, our bigger brand, umbrella brand, where Sharpfield will live underneath. And uh, it's, we're really excited about it. 
We're uh, li- we're in Walmart, in Target right now. Uh, we'll be in Walmart um, down the road here uh, later in the year. So really, really excited about uh, uh, where we're headed as a company. Uh, you can follow us right now at Shower Pill on all our platforms. Um, but yeah, the Hustle Clean is coming soon. Thanks so much, man. A few closing thoughts, guys. First, we're so grateful you took the time to listen today. It really means a lot to us to be able to share our journey with you. Second, if you got any value or inspiration from this episode, please take a minute to leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Lastly, remember, your story matters. So go for it today and live the outbound life.